Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your host, Owen Kate, like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, less of the show. Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Kalsik, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. Noel, it's another early morning record for us. H- how you doing? You've had some tea yet? We gotta, we gotta stop doing these. We do. <laughs> we, we both need our sleep. <laughs> oh man! And we also need time to watch like Thursday shows. Is the other problem? <laughs> yeah, listeners, our our plan sheet was just like ten Thursday shows, and all of us being like, both of us being like, mm, we haven't had a chance to watch any of that. We work, so and we have we have we have obligations. Yeah. Well, you work. You also work. You just. Don't get paid. The fun joy of of the uh, the current economy. This week we are talking about the Tick season two, which of course is on Amazon Prime. We were big fans of uh, the Tick season one and one point five, which they now have just like forgotten was a thing. <laughs> or like yeah, it's just, just collapsed into one season now. They released all season two, uh, ten episodes uh, together, and so that's on Amazon Prime. We're going to be talking about that at the end of the show, and that was delightful, um, as as to be expected. More on that in a bit. This week in TV, Shrill was renewed for season two, which a lot of people are very excited about, and I am certainly going to be interested to see what they what they bring for season two. Yeah, me too. Hopefully they can make a leap into something a little stronger and more pointed in season two yeah they've certainly shown the potential for that um with the various elements of season one so fingers crossed on that but uh we're gonna because of aforementioned desperate need for coffee we're gonna just keep this opening on the shorter side um and yeah let's just dive in with our weekend tv there was a bollywood number on legends of tomorrow this week so you know that's our music <laughs> leading into our week in TV. So let's take a break, uh, listen to that, and come back with our week in TV. We'll be right back after this. My humor's dry, I never cry. If I start, I'd surely drown. When I'm on my own, I can't help wanting something more. Today, instead of closing off, I'm opening a door. Now I'm tossing sense aside and That was, I think, I Surrender was the name of it, the, the dance number from Seance and Sensibility, which, you know, is instantly a top five Legends of Tomorrow title. Um, more on that later in our week in TV. First off, though, we're going to talk about the finale of Fresh Off the Boat, No Apology Necessary, and also the Speechless finale, Unrealistic. Then we'll talk a little bit about Bob's Burgers, longtime listener, first time Bob. Um, Noel's going to talk What We Do in the Shadows, Manhattan Nightclub. And we'll both talk about RuPaul's Drag Race from Farm to Runway, and I'll talk a little bit about Snatch Game at Sea. Um, then Noel's going to take on uh, The Good Fight, the one with the celebrity divorce, and we'll round things out, as you know, as mentioned previously with Legends of Tomorrow, Seance, and Sensibility. So first up is the Fresh Off the Boat finale, No Apology Necessary. And uh, I really liked the end of this season. I liked the cultural exchange and and where they placed that and how that fed into, you know, this finale episode, No Apology Necessary. What did you think? Uh, I totally agree. And I really appreciated the return of both this and Speechless to a large degree, um, which we'll talk about in a moment. Both feel like, yeah, we're probably not getting renewed again. We got by last time on the skin of our teeth. So let's do series finales, basically, to make sure just on the off chance that we don't come back. And No Apology Necessary really drives that idea home in particular um, with Fresh Off the Boat because it's them driving back to Orlando after Eddie gets back from Taiwan and puts on his headphones to re-immerse himself into his music as and get away from his family's music. <laughs> And it's so delightfully, like, strong callback to the pilot. And I really appreciate that. And I really just appreciated how the cultural exchange, like you said, worked really nicely. 
as what I thought was going to be a like series finale or season finale sort of thing of Eddie going off and doing this became the through line for the final few episodes. And look, we really need Eddie (laughs) (laughs) in our lives. It's kind of important. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And just how really delightful that was. So I really, really enjoyed this season of Fresh Off the Boat in particular, but I also enjoyed um, this uh, whatchamacallit, uh, this finale in particular. Yeah. Yeah. I liked the, uh, the, the, the immediately predictable and expected foibles that, that he runs into in Taiwan. Um, mm. I lo- loved that adorable crab backpack and that Evan is basically like mine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, I thought, thought it's for me, this last chunk was much, more like focused and worked well but i haven't been as connected with fresh off the boat in a while Um, yeah and and so i think it's not for me at the level that it was but i still really enjoy it and i I, you know if this is the series finale that like you said that is a terrific last scene to end it with that like them all together enjoying music but differently, you know, mm-hmm. and that, that I think that's just such a beautiful way to show that togetherness and the space at the same time. Um, so that worked really nicely. I also like that they like started tiptoeing towards the food stuff for Eddie, but didn't feel the need to hammer that home in the finale because that's yeah. not what the show has been. If they have a season six, they'll do more of that, I'm sure. But really, no, I don't think many of us expect that. Um, and it would have been too rushed to try to turn like the experience making the noodles into like a culinary uh breakthrough for him um and so instead they they go this other way and i think it's really effective um yeah so it was a fun last chunk of episodes but really i just want to talk about the speechless finale unrealistic because oh my god the feels like i was I was tearing up. I was I was right with the DeMeos at the speech where they all are falling over themselves, unable to do their um uh to give JJ's speech because they keep getting choked up. I thought it was a lovely end to the like the season and let's be honest again, the series. And if this is the I mean, if it gets renewed, that's awesome. But and yes. I, I look forward to them having to deal with that. <laughs> with undoing a second series finale that was spot on um but if it doesn't get renewed this is just a beautiful really well done final final episode so i thought it was a like a particularly strong end of season for speechless it was even down to the um was this the episode with the giant jj cardboard cutout yes oh that was such a good visual gag both times they used it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I really enjoyed that. And like you said, the uh, um, the New York stinger was really good, was really spot on. And that Kenneth was still there was also just like warmed my heart so much after this season has been very much about Kenneth needing to move on and JJ needing to move on to find someone else. And I was like, Oh, but he's still there. He's going to help. He's going to help them. Get, he's going to help him get to class. And so this idea that they're just, they packed up and moved to New York for two months or however long to basically make sure that JJ can get to class on time. One class on time. <laughs> it's just, like you said, it's so perfectly DeMeo. And the entire episode is just really perfectly DeMeo. So I was really, really happy with this finale. And it was very funny. Yeah, I also, because I was behind, so I caught up on several episodes to be able to talk about this finale. And uh, yeah, I, I loved the the three creepy old brothers in the previous episode at the diner mm-hmm. i thought that was so fun and um the the kenneth and maya like if it does get renewed i look forward to kenneth and maya uh dynamic duo which, which i hope they have fun with i hope mm-hmm. they really explore um and i also look forward to <laughs> ray actually being the project of the senior girls next year um that there's so much potential there and, and especially as he was just being terrible, so they just terrible. really ratcheted up how terrible Ray is this year. Yeah, yeah, just like unabashedly. Oh no, he is that guy. Um, yeah. He is the guy who believes in the friend zone, um, and not just that it's him. Uh, so yeah, 
yeah, I, I look forward to what that could be too. So, you know, ABC, we would love to be wrong again. Please surprise us by renewing Speechless. But I, I mean, I really don't anticipate it. Yeah, I don't either. I, I will miss it though. Um, fortunately, I will not have to miss Bob's Burgers because they have a few more episodes this season and we'll be back next year. Um, this week's episode is Longtime Listener, First Time Bob. It's about Bob dealing with being left off of a list, um, which I think is just really beautifully captured. <laughs> uh, I think that like, anyone who's ever felt that, whether it's like, you know, making the cut for a team or a musical or, you know, obviously we have a podcast and they're being podcast lists all the time or, or we got on one. We did get that. <laughs> we did get that on that one. And that was cool. But and we also make lists, you know, so we, we, mm-hmm. we have left people yeah. and things off of lists. Um, I thought they really captured that very, very well. And so I think connecting that in with, Nick Offerman as a uh, as this uh, just hubris filled uh, like exemplar of where Bob's instincts like that could take him, I thought was mm-hmm. was really delightful. And as this former uh, DJ now guy working at a bowling alley because he's too proud to take a, a gig in a smaller market um, was is just super fun. And uh, having so much of it turn on Louise having to go to the bathroom was also pretty delightful. No, this was a really fun episode, and Offerman's pitch perfectly cast, even if he's just doing sort of Offerman again. But there's just this kind of delightful midlife sort of, I need to save this one guy because I couldn't save myself aspect to it. Um, This guy who kept me going while I was listening to him on the radio. And also just the fact that it's a radio show, I think is also really, really good. Um... And it's a nice sort of expansion, again, of them creating this world nine seasons in still and going like, oh, yeah, no, there's a radio station that's mostly run by a computer algorithm now. The dude. Um, Yes, exactly. Oh, it's so good. (laughs) Um, Because it's such good, perfect, pitch perfect type of FM radio type commentary um of a certain generation going yeah radio used to be great also kids do you know what radio is (laughs) (laughs) and so i just really enjoyed that this entire episode and um it also had uh who uh ron fuchs folks Mm -hmm. yeah as uh the as the engineer producer who ends up helping out in the end and that was really good as well that made me very happy yeah he is delightful and i i should know how to say his name and i don't remember and uh, I, I return to a thread I have – I'm sure I brought it up on the podcast previously. I really feel like there needs to be a sub – like sub page for IMDb where celebrities record how to pronounce their names. Right? Ah! How is that yeah, not that part of IMDb? Helpful. They have it on Wikipedia for like words. Yeah. Well, Kate, I've applied for IMDb multiple times. So if I ever actually do get hired there, that will be the first thing I recommend. Thank you. Finally, at last. Uh, well, speaking of finally at last, uh, I can't say that about where we go, what we do in the shadows. I'm still behind. But I look forward to catching up because I've heard good things about this week's episode of Manhattan Nightclub, and I have a feeling I'm going to really enjoy it. Uh, is that the case? Yes, this is a very funny episode. Uh, it features uh, Nick Kroll um, as a, a guy named like Simon the Devious or something, who's a vampire that came over with this other group. But instead of going to Staten Island, he went to Manhattan and has taken over basically Manhattan. Uh, not all of the strain, but he's taken over Manhattan. Mm-hmm. And so they go to a club to try to form an alliance with him. But they haven't left Staten Island in decades. So they think that they all have to wear capes, all this sort of stuff to go to this hip, trendy New York nightclub. And so it's all very funny. There's plenty of good laughs in there because they're in a vampire nightclub. Um, But they everything's like perfectly keeled and Kroll's vampire voice is super, super good. (laughs) Super good. Um... And then there's a whole subplot about a hat that belongs to um, Max Berry's character um, that is made of witch's skin. (laughs) Of course it is. And it's cursed, um, but he refuses to acknowledge that it's cursed. And so bad things happen throughout the episode. Um, There's a visual guide, Kate, that you need to keep your eyes peeled for. 
because it happens way in the background. Um, okay. So just you'll know when someone like goes off like yeah. way into the background. Keep your eyes peeled on the background for a very, very good visual gag that's very easy to miss because there's someone way up in the foreground mockumentary style. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's very, very good. It's very funny. Uh, there's a little bit of development on um, Nadia's progression of becoming a vampire. There's mm-hmm. a little bit on Guillermo and Nandor's relationship as well in this episode. So it just had a lot of like really good elements in it that kind of coalesced into a really solid half hour. Okay. Well, yeah, I'm that's probably the one that I'm most excited to catch up with of the things I am behind on and uh hopefully maybe well, not this weekend or the next weekend. But when I'm done with the, my orchestral season and I'm no longer going out of town all the time, then I will hopefully May is what I'm saying. I'm saying May, but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I am, of course, caught up on RuPaul's Drag Race. My review for this week's episode, Snatch Game at Sea, is up over at the AB Club. Um, but first, we're going to talk about From Farm to Runway. So what did you think of this third design challenge? So it was pretty much a foregone conclusion that Plastique was going to win because of the narrative that she received. And a real heavy narrative of, all right, we're going to have a chat, you're going to win, and you're going to have a video. And this Mm -hmm. is like, woof, producers, dial it back. But also, wow, that was a lot of drama that came out of that video. So the producers are like, yes, give it to us all. (laughs) Give us all the drama. But it was also one of those things where I very much went, I really think Evie should have (laughs) won. Right? Uh, because that, 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 that farm to table look, farm to runaway look is super good. Um, it's, it's still recognizably Evie while still really capturing the challenge in a way that I feel like no one else's really did. Plastique's, I think, comes the closest. But Plastique did the same goddamn silhouette again. Mm-hmm. And the <laughs> and same is, stone tights. Yeah, and is not getting nailed for this by anyone. Yeah. And I'm like, Michelle, where are we need you right now? <laughs> okay, I have discussed this with friend of the show, Alison Shoemaker. And where here's where I'm coming from. I think that Michelle expects more from Vanjie and sees more potential in okay, Vanjie. Sure. And that's yeah. why she's being so much harder on Vanjie than she is on, say, Plastique or Silky, who keeps pulling out pageant drag. Yeah. No, and that's I I think that's probably very accurate, but at the same time, it's just like but the plastique, plastique and Silky think that they can just get away with doing this all the time, and they shouldn't be able to get away with doing this all the time. They should at least get a comment at this point. Yeah, no, absolutely. So that's sort of where I ended up with that, even though I've liked a lot of these looks, but I also felt like real bad for the um for Akira's denim look. I just went, oh, it looks unfinished and bad and the shoulder pads were not good. And I appreciate that you kind of gave up and then tried something else, but no. Yeah. And she and she was selling hard, but no. She was, yeah. Yeah. And I actually did like Nina's kind of idea. The mm-hmm. corn husks thing looked really good, but it was also just not enough. This this And this week to really kind of like pull out or even like get a guaranteed safe. Mm-hmm. So that's fair. Um, but yeah, I really liked um, uh, Sugar's wig, though, this week was super good. I really liked her look. And I love that yeah. she did such a different face. Yes. And and whereas as some of the queens are delivering the same thing every week, she's uh, she's doing a very different thing each week. And sometimes it yeah. needs editing. Sometimes it's not quite all there. But I appreciate that she isn't just painting the same face and like with a slightly different color tone or base to go with yeah. whatever outfit she has um and that's part of why i also thought evie should win because she did such glamorous beautiful soft makeup which and to go with her look it was just so different than what she has been doing previously and showing mm-hmm. that she can be versatile and, and really flex um yeah and it was definitely the the winning look for me and i liked nina's look too um a hundred percent the bottom half was a mess and needed a yeah. lot more work. Um, but yeah, when when Rue says, yeah, but is she really the future of drag? It's like, oh, Rue, Rue. I know that Rue has certain narratives that he likes yes. for, for the winners. And there are certain people he just 
it seems like will never consider as a, a genuine contender. And yeah. Nina is one of those people. And it's very yeah. frustrating because I think she's been killing it. Yeah, she has. She's just so good and charismatic on stage. And it's just kind of, it's a struggle because I think, that, like you said, like Nina's performance isn't as like directly pointed and strong as other comedy queens that come have come across, like mm-hmm. Bianca, where it's like, you cannot deny me type of thing. And Nina is still very much in that, uh, you, you can, I don't want you to, but I mean, mm-hmm. I guess it's fine. Just please like give me at least one challenge win or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's kind of where Nina is, is like, I can't, I, you can still deny me. And there's just not enough, like, force of will. But also, like, Nina's the only one that's willing to listen to anyone. Yes. <laughs> judges on anything. Yes. <laughs> and it's not because she wants, it's because she wants to win, but it's also because she wants to improve her drag. And mm-hmm. she sees this as a really good way to do that. So that should be something that's factored in. She's appropriately humble. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I also think that it's telling that in the Alyssa thing that they have, she is absolutely right up there with Evie as the best in in that. Yeah. The, okay, no look, no no paint, nothing. Yeah. Just you in a t-shirt and some cargo shorts. What can yeah. you do? And she owns that runway. Did you, yes. did you enjoy the Alyssa moment? I did enjoy the Alyssa moment. Um, my par- my person and I was just like, no, you have to understand, Alyssa's like the best sometimes. <laughs> and even if I didn't really like her Netflix reality show. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but yeah, no, I really enjoyed that. And I enjoyed that moment as well, which again, fed into the plastique stuff. Again, super hardcore. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was really good. And you, I was really glad that Alyssa was there to like, provide a different perspective on that on the narrative that's being constructed around nina and to a certain extent around evie as well Mm -hmm. of like continuing to push back against this idea of evie either being a one trick or just being her doing spooky goth type stuff which silky Mm -hmm. seems really hung up on i'm just like silky you've not been paying attention to evie's looks for the past couple of weeks nope not at all (laughs) well and i also love that she's like oh brooke beautiful okay but it's boring do it again I see you're a dancer. Yeah. You can move whatever. Do it again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. great. Oh, okay, now for this week's episode, they did Snatch Game at Sea, which is just Snatch Game with with a sponsor. Um, so that okay. was annoying because I would have liked much more of a nautical theme if they're going to do that, like really do it. Um, I don't know how what they could have done to change the structure, but like there are ways, there are things they could have come up with. Um, it is it's it's bad, Noel. It's okay. one of the worst snatch games in the history of the show. And it's not bad in a like shenanigans, Gia Gun right. kind of way. It's just okay. boring and not memorable. There are a few queens who are just just they're just bad. They're just not funny. Like they're trying for things. It's just not working. Um and it's kind of awkward and just massive miss. And then the the best queens uh they are okay. Like, yeah. there's one queen who I think did a pretty good job who would have been, like, a solid top three, but not winner mm-hmm. in a different season. And the other two queens in the top three, I would have made, like, safe in a better season. Um, but they have to really, like, push that these are – they're doing great because uh, there's nothing else for them to work with. Um, so, yeah. But then the runway is very good. The okay. category is sequins on the runway, so that gives you an idea. Oh, nice. So, of course, yeah. these queens are going to crush that. Yeah. And then the lip sync mm-hmm. is real good. It's real good. Okay. I, I, good. It's, it's good enough that I'm not worried about overhyping it. I look okay. forward to your thoughts next week. That's all I'll say. Okay. Yeah, no. Um, I've been I've become increasingly worried about Snatch Game. Yeah. As this season is progressive, like oh, these are not comedy queens, and they're not even like solid imp- impersonation queens either. It's just no. like there's nothing really here. This is a very different type of queen than set. But at the same time, all of you knew you were going to be on Drag Race, which means. Yeah. You were going to be on Snatch Game at one point if you made it far enough. So you needed to come with something locked and loaded. And my guess is that two people did. <laughs> yeah, well, it's like they all know what they're going to do. They're all prepared. Uh, but yeah. it's just they aren't funny. These queens are not okay. 
funny. Their pers- their distinct personalities can be charming yeah. and memorable and entertaining. But several of the queens don't figure out how to channel that into their character. Mm-hmm. And so while okay. they've done their re- – it's like nobody is like a mess – Right, they all yeah. done their research. They, you know, they have references to make. It's just they know who Mariah Carey is. They know, <laughs> they now know who Mariah Carey is. Um, but and so it's just like everybody is not memorable for the most part, except for the people who are for the wrong reasons. So, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. More on that next week. But again, this is we've talked about. This is a very pageant based. A queen pool Group. contestant contestant yeah. competitor pool um so they have other strengths and that just these are the strengths of the season are not those that lend themselves really towards snatch game for more than just a couple of the queens and the next challenge uh next week is going to be an improv challenge i think is, okay I, from what i can tell and so that will be interesting because the combination of improv and impersonation at the same time just really it's like it's like a it it squares it right it it it's a yeah. it's a to the next power as opposed to just multiplying right it makes it yeah. infinitely more challenging so they did all right in like they slayed the the um Britney it's Britney bitch network challenge yeah. and that was improv but they didn't have to also do the improv- the the impersonation. So I have a feeling that when they go back to a comedy challenge that doesn't require that ne- the pop culture and and the impersonation and the improv, they'll do fine. Yeah. But but yeah, it's just oof. It's rough. I was going to give this uh, like a, like at least a C, maybe even lower. And then the everything else in the episode raised it up to a B. So it like averaged out. I was like, "Oh man, People have been like feeling like I'm not giving good grades this season, but they are, and they're going to be pissed at me. But I don't care. And then, then like, it's like, but that snatch game was bad, and it deserves a bad grade. And then the rest of the episode raised it back up. And at this point, I don't even really care about the snatch game because I can just forget about that and focus on all those parts yeah. of the episode that I really like. So, more yeah. on this next week. Uh, let's talk about. Well, let's have you talk about the good fight because I'm still behind the one with the celebrity divorce. And uh, how is, I'm guessing this is a Luca-centric one then. It is. This is, this episode is the entire reason that Luca has been shifted to uh, matrimony Mm. and divorce litigation. Um, So our beloved Titus Burgess shows up. Oh, um, okay. And he gets the, he gets the and in the guest star list, which is like, yes. Yes. He's fancy now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, he shows up as a, um, celebrity hairstylist who want, who comes into Luca's office and is like, is, is acting as an intermediary for a very famous client that they think is Kim K. Mm-hmm. It is not Kim K. Mm-hmm. And then so, some other intermediary shows up and Kate, it's potential that the good fight fever dream has extended far enough that Luca may be working on Melania's divorce. <laughs> oh, Wow. <laughs> wow okay but here's here's the really good thing about how the good fight functions i think especially now is that there is legitimate concerns among luca and among the partners that they're getting punked Mm -hmm. that someone is doing a milani impersonation yeah to get them to reveal whether or not they have that copy of the pp tape yeah that they do actually have. Yeah. And which I completely forgot about until this episode. I was just like, oh, right, that was a plot point from season two. Totally forgot about that. Mm-hmm. Um, to try and ferret that out. Mm-hmm. Um, so Luca actually does end up meeting with Melania in a darkened hotel room. Mm-hmm. Um, and everything's obscured. <clears throat> but oh, during the credits, I saw Gina Gershon in the credits. Mm-hmm. And I just went, oh, wait. She hasn't shown up at all. And then I realized Gina Gershon's playing Melania, Melania, which I'm just like, oh, that's real good show. (laughs) That's very good. Her face is not like the right, is not totally the right angles um, for Melania, but like in like massive amounts of shadow, it works well enough. But Mm -hmm. I was also like, that's Gina Gershon. Um, So, but this whole kind of fever dream about, the potentiality for this to actually be a Melania or just to be some sort of weird sting operation is really good. And it feeds back into Diane's resistance group and the weirdness of what they're doing there. 
and all that sort of stuff comes into play really nicely here and kind of they're doing a much better job of keeping some threads tied together than they were last season and i think that really helps out a lot um there's Michael Sheen's character is now probably going to be just a fixture going forward because, hey, guess what? He was He's best buds with Lamont Bishop, who shows up in this week's episode. And um, it's like, oh, Mike Coulter, you're so good in this role. Mm-hmm. You're so good. But it's, it's a way to keep Loom around, yeah. basically. And that's what happens here, is that Bishop's... Uh, desire for Bloom to stick around this firm stays. He even fires like off-screen fires as Wallace Shawn Lawyer, who oh, sad. Aww. I liked that Wallace Shawn Lawyer. <laughs> he was, he was very, very scary. <laughs> yeah, he was. He was. It's the scariest Wally Shawn has ever been. Mm-hmm. Um, so all of that kind of like happens. Marissa gets a soliloquy this week, um, but it's a little too brief for me because Sarah still kills it um but she also sings as well this week at bloom's character to get him to shut up um so the entire episode's delightful and it took me 42 minutes to realize that maya's not in this episode at all because mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah she's probably not on the show anymore she's gonna show up later they swear but she's not on the show anymore really um so i think it's really good i really like the gear that they're in it's very weird and I'm curious about your thoughts, and I need to parse out like this whole conceptualization of Melania versus how we talk about Melania mm-hmm. in so many different ways, uh, and as we've been doing for the past three years, and what that means and how the show's sort of conceptualizing her. And it's something to think about and to think through as you watch the episode, because that's really where they're coming from with it, as Melania is someone who wants to get out, and the degree to their conception of whomever this Melania is wants to get out and how that appeals or does not appeal. Okay. It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I, again, May, hopefully, for getting caught up. Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> uh, well, there's only four more episodes left, so. <laughs> yeah, I'm running out of time to catch up. That's that's a good point. Um, however, you know I'm caught up on Legends of Tomorrow, and this episode is Seance and Sensibility, and I've, I've wanted to love this episode, uh, mm-hmm. And I really enjoyed parts of it. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, I feel like Legends should know this. If you're going to do a Bollywood number, you got to bring it. And they yeah. did not. I mean, like, I'm, the oh. actors did. But, like, yeah, that is, like, have they seen a Bollywood movie? Have they seen those production numbers? Because it's not just standing in place and twirling. Yeah, no, it's not. But, I mean, for what they can get away with on this budget and their time frame... And for not having, like, probably dedicated choreographers a la, like, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, I'm sort of willing to give it to them because... Then don't it's just do weird. it. Do something well, that you can actually, like, execute. I think they execute it well enough for them, is how I'm parsing it. It's not... I'm expecting, like, a... I'm not expecting them to actually nail a Bollywood number here. Um, yeah, you're nicer than I am. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm signif- I'm being significantly nicer. Plus... I think that the other thing that carries it for me is um, Ash's performances. Zari, again, is really, really good here. And I think that, that helps carry me through a lot of it. Um, the um, continuation sort of, of giving her focus episodes um, after the uh, time loop episode um, and then giving her something like this, I think really works. And I think she plays everything really, really nicely from the fact that oh, we think that she's going to get seduced by this fugitive. And then it's like, nope, I've got him already. You really think I'm going to get seduced by this guy? Is really, really cute and really, really sweet. And also the extent of how well acclimated she is to the group now. Um, So I think all of it really works, aside from them just really rushing the Nick and Zari thing. Doesn't work. Nate and Zari thing, I should say, um, doesn't work. And I'm not buying it even with a... Uh, self-acknowledge this is a dream isn't it fourth wall break um as -hmm. delightful as that was um i don't really buy that because it's just kind of come out of nowhere um but yeah and i will also say that i give the bollywood number also a lot of credit for including ralph and um uh, Ray and Nora and the fact that yeah neither of us can sing so we're not going to (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, I liked the Ray and Nora stuff quite a bit. Um, I just I feel like this episode gives short shrift to uh to to Nate's father's yes. death. I think it they try to uh undercut hit the villain status uh, for him way too much. They but they, they don't succeed though either, and we'll get into that because it's super scary. Still, what he wants to do? Yeah, <laughs> it's like they're just trying to make him like a bumbling and charming and everything it's like no that's not you they're trying to retcon what they had already shown and it doesn't work and it's really that's disappointing that they didn't just again embrace the complexity of he is a kind and honest with his son kind person and he also has no trouble kidnapping and shocking and who knows what else to these magical creatures you know like that's not and something that can't you can have both of those things existing in a character and explore and embrace that complexity rather than feeling like well that makes him a bad guy and we don't want him to be a bad guy so it's disappointing but he's still a bad guy like he's abducting and torturing and training very sentient creatures Mm mm-hmm um to be in a zoo yeah that's <laughs> that's not good no and it's not. the idea that both nate and the show think that this is sort of redemption sort of thing is the incorrect impulse to have here because it's it that is not how any of this works yeah um and so it was super weird like i mean i I acknowledge that I have a larger sort of moral objection to zoos overall. I don't like them. Mm-hmm. And I find them morally objectionable. And same thing with aquariums, even though I also have a fear of aquariums and drowning in them. But that's a whole separate issue. <laughs> um, but this does not make that okay. And it doesn't make him a better person. It just makes him a really weird, misguided person in a different sort of weird, misguided way from being sort of a Knights Templar sort of character of like, I'm doing this to protect everyone sort of deal, mm-hmm. as opposed to I'm doing this to bring the country together by gawking at minotaurs in cages? That doesn't seem like a good idea. <laughs> yeah, I also, uh, I was really disappointed that this is their Jane Austen episode. Because yeah. they really, I thought they whiffed on that. Like, you have Jane Austen, and what are you turning it, like, you don't, they don't really use her. It's really disappointing. I wanted way more. And it's, it's, it sort of just turns into a, oh, Jane Austen showed up. But is that not actually about her or with anything beyond one scene? Uh, but, it, yeah, it was, I just, I wanted so much more. I think there was too much happening that was yeah, too different. I do agree. And they, yeah. they're trying to, like, jump it all together that way that, like, Legends usually manages to and, and does in a way that no other show manages. But this – it just didn't work, this episode. They needed to take out one element tonally yes. and also plot-wise, and then the, everything else would have worked much better. Yeah. No, that point I do agree with is that it is a little overstuffed tonally, and I would have liked more with Austin and that aspect of this episode, because there's so much good stuff happening, like, along fringes. Like, Sarah's whole reaction to, wait, we're just going to walk around the room in a circle and talk? And, like, (laughs) her, her face at the realization that that is what's about to happen is just... It's so good and pure. Mm. And I was just like, oh, this is why this show's good. And it's sort of why, like, the episode, for me anyway, skates by, is that there's a lot of charm in the performances here that helps keep it moving and doesn't let you realize it's a little overstuffed until you're actually talking about it. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely... It's a Regency thing. Just go with it. Uh, mm-hmm. Pretty fun. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to what's going to come next. Next, we get our, our Ava hasn't been not returning your calls. She's been kidnapped episode. Uh, right, which looks like a very Doctor Who episode, and I'm here for it. Yes, very here <laughs> for it. So we'll see what uh, comes from that. But yeah, I was... I mean, with the title, like, Sans and Sensibility, I want to love it. And then, yeah, not not enough. I was really hoping we'd get more... Um, like, the, like there would actually be a seance and we'd actually get to see Nate talk to his dad in a meaningful way and like all, but that's okay. There was some really fun stuff in there at least. Uh, it will not be winning my week in TV though. What wins your week in TV? Um, since this may be the last time we get to, um, acknowledge them until the end of the year, uh, Fresh Off the Boat and Speechless, 
uh, when my week, even if I maybe enjoyed, had more fun watching a good fight this week. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm, we may not get to say say anything good about them until we do Smorgasbord again. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to give it to both of them. What about you? Yeah, don't no, speechless finale. Yeah, like yeah. I mean, I would give it to the the snatch game lip sync, but no, speechless because maybe I won't get another shot. And the show really just has been delightful and so, like right from the premiere, shockingly yeah. consistent, well done, uh, fully yeah. developed, and super entertaining. Um, I'm going to miss it if it doesn't come back. I will also miss Fresh Off the Boat if it doesn't come back. But between the two, for me, Speechless definitely had the stronger finale. So that's what yeah. I will give it to. Now we will take a break and come back with our spotlight on The Tick Season 2. Yesterday you bested your nemesis. Today you wake anew, ready to begin following The Hero's Way. I think you're right, Tick. What? I'm in. Really? Yeah. Fantastic! been itching to hone that danger reflex of yours. Think quick. What? We'll be working on that one a lot, chum. City's been freed from the terror. New villains will plunder. New heroes will rise. I'm with Aegis. We're reopening the local Aegis branch. Next stop, testing. Stand in the yellow square. The yellow square says danger. Yes, that's the one. Sage, the supernumerary. I wield the mystic power of the blind eye. Wide. It's staring right at me. Everyone keeps talking about this new wave of heroes. Well, this is a little fun, right? I'll give them a wave. I'll give them a damn tsunami. Miss Lint is continuing the spree of evil. It's a spreeval! First rule of the club is shut up. He runs hot. We got more power together. Hello, boys. I'm really grateful that I met you all, and I really want to help you not go extinct. Bronze Thoughts, then we should do a team up. Oh, the team ups. Who doesn't love a team up? That was a trailer for season two of The Tick, now streaming on Amazon Prime. And we really enjoyed season one. We were all here for especially <laughs> Yara Martinez getting stuff to do and Peter Serafinowicz just being delightful and Griffin Newen being very scared. Uh, how did season two work for you? Did it pick up on like the, the momentum that they had created by the end of this first season? Uh, did you miss the terror as an instigating factor? What did you think? I did not miss the terror. Um, I think this season's just much goofier um, mm-hmm. than season one, and it's to the show's benefit um, that it's just delightfully goofy this year. Um, and I think that allows them to have a little more flexibility. Um, they're a little less bogged down by like having to do a bunch of like origin story work, which also frees them up to do bigger things even though there's still an origin story happening as dot realizes that she's a category in this season Mm -hmm. and has a powers well a power Mm -hmm. um but it also gives them room to expand the world a little bit so we see other heroes uh aside from uh superior uh pop up which is really good and so there's just an overall sense of there's more silliness, there's more lightheartedness. There's also just a person in a giant lobster outfit with a really good like mask um mm-hmm. that is very like like uh animatronic control and it looks fantastic. It's real real good and it's one of my favorite things I think I've seen this season is just that entire outfit is really good and deeply expressive as the season goes on. So I really enjoyed that, but I also just enjoyed the gag at the beginning of the season of, yeah, no, we gave, uh, we gave the tick a new outfit so that Peter could move a little bit easier. And so he's molting him. That's why his outfit looks different this season. <laughs> and it's like, this is a very good show. Well done. 
Yeah. Well, and just the fact that the that this is a show where you can easily have your main character look completely different, molt, and have him go, I don't know why this is happening. It's very strange. Yeah. Danger. On to danger. Destiny is gone. Yes, exactly. Like, just move right on, which is exactly the right thing to do. It, like you say, it really matches the tone of the show, and the. I think that that is a good call, and just not even worrying, not not commenting on it because that wouldn't make sense for Arnold. But uh, just really not getting bogged down, I think, it works very well. Like you said, the tonal shift is palpable from the beginning. They let Dot deal with the trauma and the the dark, uh, like the flashbacks and and the you know struggles that she's having uh, with some of her memories instead of Arnold, and that really shifts the the balance of the tone and and how the show works they also you know that also works with their pairing her with overkill and yes. uh i think it helps incorporate her in a way that uh, the actor is doing is is doing a good job with and also just fits better tonally as a as a balance to arnold and a balance to the to the tick uh the i really enjoyed the the introduction right not return introduction of John Hodgman as Dr. Officer, Dr. Agent something, whatever, at Aegis. Agent Dr. Hobbs. <laughs> Agent Dr. Hobbs. Um, just or Dr. Delightful. Agent Hobbs. I think it's Dr. Agent Dr. Hobbs. Dr. Agent Hobbs. Matter. Yeah. Doesn't matter. It's delightful. And yeah. just like the sinister and cheery blend of what he's doing is spot on. Super fun. I also continue to very much enjoy Tudic as as Danger Boat. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, just the the introduction of these new characters with the pre existing ensemble, I think works really really well because like for example, Miss Lint is delightful and Yara Martinez is doing a terrific job as ever of balancing being absolutely ridiculous with some surprisingly human and also menacing and very like fully developed and and, and fleshed out, and then she's got a psychic edge lord. <laughs> ridiculous, ridiculous teen um like a st- just like this this caricature of a, of a teen uh emo teen and but also very good at his job like it's, yeah it's great yeah no if this season's a showcase for anyone it's really martinez who is given a lot of different beats to play across this season and is also having to hide behind a really ridiculous helmet that covers almost her entire face for mm-hmm. most of this season when she's on screen and the fact that she really conveys a lot with basically just the lower part of her mouth and a vocal performance is real good mm-hmm. and like i said last season it's like yeah i really love her and jane the virgin but this show just gives her so much to do yeah and I, it's why I'm like willing to have, why i've come to grips with the fact that she just doesn't pop up on jane as much as i would like but then it's like because she's real good here and this show utilizes her really, really well. Um so her entire thing of becoming a hero to basically take over the world, take over the city by using all the hero stuff mm-hmm. is A, classic comic book stuff. But B, it's also just it pre- presents a really good sort of ethical and moral and personal growth conundrum. For her, where it's like, you know, her old crew's not crazy about this. An edgelord could probably go either way. <laughs> <laughs> he just wants to be involved. But he is also, like you said, super good at his job. Yeah, I, I will say Martinez is the one actor not well served by Jane the Virgin. Everyone else yeah. gets so much great material and they really know how to play to their strengths. And they've really developed and fleshed out their characters over the course of the run and she's Louisa is the big exam exact is the big exception to that. Um, and, and I appreciate very much that we can turn to the tick and say, it's not Martinez's fault because, because no. she is better served by the tick than she is by Jane, the Virgin, which is not something I think most of us would have anticipated a few years ago. Um, yeah. The, the balance she's bringing to that character. I think I didn't anticipate, they would 
necessarily be able to to keep that going after her back and forth in season one, especially the second half of season one. And I like yeah. this move for her. I think it's more interesting and it opens up more like instead of closing stories off, it opens up more potential. I, I like you say, it is classic classic comic book of a ha ha I've been a villain this whole time but actually kind of like it's like it's it's more work being a villain this is kind of better uh, but uh, I'm evil but uh, actually maybe I'll just do this hero thing for a while yeah and what I what I really appreciate is like Tick and Arthur are both just like but she's a bad guy why isn't anyone listening to us she's She's misled. Why? Why does no one care? Mm-hmm. And the the notion that it's well, she filled out all the right paperwork is just it's so tick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like she completed the paperwork, and we can't do anything. She completed the paperwork. What do you want from us? What do you us? want from us? Yeah, <laughs> clearly. And it's just like, oh, this is very good, and it, it's a very good upending of all lampooning also of the whole shield was Hydra all along type of stuff oh from the God. MCU of like the whole aspect of this of what they're doing with um i guess uh this season is also just real perfect sort of needling of mcu type stuff that i'm just like oh edlin i really appreciate you a whole lot mm-hmm. <laughs> i see what you're doing there i also yeah. see what they're doing with with superior and i oh, gosh, very yeah. much enjoy him <laughs> in this season see i think he's okay this season i for the majority of it i just went why are you still here? Like, was basically my response of like, I don't, I don't care about you. And I don't know why anyone else cares about you. Just go away. Mm-hmm. And so the whole monologuing on the moon thing, I was just like, yes, I know we get it. We're doing a Dr. Manhattan thing here or Mr. Manhattan or whatever it was on Watchmen. I can't quite remember. Dr. Manhattan. It's yes. Man- Dr. Yes. Manhattan. I was just like, I know we get it. Thanks. And then the capper of it that he's an escaped fugitive. I just went, God damn it, show. <laughs> you pull me back in. <laughs> I'm here for this concept now and how that's going to play out. Mm-hmm. Um, because everything's out in the open with now, like Walter's out in the open and is now like fully accepted. And I was, I was very glad that that was given just the right amount of like drag out time mm-hmm. until it was revealed that it's just like, yeah, no, I, I I was just tasked with watching you, but I fell in love with you and then I lied to you. But do you still love me? Because I, I really do like being Walter. <laughs> <laughs> and so the, that entire concept, especially in the finale, um, which is really encapsulated by the episode title of Choose Love, is like the sheer optimism of this show of like, no, you choose being happy, choose embracing who you are and what you can be um, is real good and real potent. And it comes through, it runs throughout the entire season really, really nicely. Uh, even down to the fact that we find out that Overkill and Danger Boat do dance party celebrations. And it's so good and pure, listeners. Like... <laughs> It's so beautiful and lovely. And the fact that Overkill will start dancing, even if it's just being piped into his ear because Danger Boat wants to kind of troll him. Mm -hmm. And it's so, it's so good. good. It's so good. And I I just, I I just, I died a little bit because of how good it was. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like... Tudyk really does. I mean, he's terrific at voiceover. It is. It is known. Yes, it has been is. known for a while. But uh, yeah, that <laughs> the whole like thing, like the thread of the the movie night and everything, I really enjoyed. And the as a Princess Bride stand, you know, I appreciated that reference early yes. in the season. But um, giving them giving their backstory and and really just <laughs> embracing <laughs> their role in the show, I think worked very nicely i'm very excited about um what maybe will come next but it's just again the 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 tone the way that they are meshing these tones and and kind of bringing them all towards like bringing everybody towards the tick and arnold tonally i think is not only something that's appropriate for season two but it has me more excited about season three and it also like that's a thread that's that 
follows through the whole show. You know, like I forgot how much I love these opening credits. I forgot mm-hmm. how much I enjoy, yeah. like how en- how much I enjoy the the scoring choices and the the editing and all the production elements that just so perfectly match what this show needs. Um, it's exciting to see it to see. Like, think about where the show started with that overly gritty pilot and yes. where we are now at the end of season yeah. two and and think about what's going to come next for season three. Um, has it been renewed? Uh, I don't think so yet. Let me scroll up. No, it has not been. Okay. Um, should it come back? I look forward to what that could bring. Yeah. And I mean, this is, I feel like this is a show that Amazon should kind of keep doing mm-hmm. um if only because like i feel like only it and mrs Maisel were like the shows that critics actually really respond to in like sort of a generally universally positive sort of way even though Maisel has significant problems in mm-hmm. a number of areas um but it's not like something like homecoming where it's like no this was good but also like what's what what do you do after that type of thing even yeah. though there's a second season um coming and there's not a lot of that that you can say for a lot of their shows, apart from like Man in High Castle, I feel like. Um, mm-hmm. That everything else just kind of either gets buffeted out of the cycle because Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, or it's just not particularly good, as we've run into when we've done a chain of Amazon stream shows for this segment where we did The Widow and we did Hannah. And we were both just like... These are not good shows. The Widow especially is not a good show. Hannah has a lot of problems. I <laughs> wanted these to be better. <laughs> I yeah, was assuming yeah. they would be better. <laughs> yeah. And so we don't run into that with like The Tick, which is, especially in this season, really sharp, really good. Um, They benefit from being, they benefit from even having two fewer episodes, really. Yeah. And that's really great as well. And also the fact that, like, one, two, three, four, five of, like, they have five women directors doing this um, uh, this season um, spread across their ten. And that's really cool and good. Yeah. And that they have that room to do that is also really good. So it's something that they should really seriously consider because I think that there's, there's a good market for this. Yeah. That needs that they need this show i think yeah well and if you know the thing for me is people weren't talking about it enough and i think i put that down to the terrible promotion that amazon shows seem to get if they aren't mazel um yeah and i think if more people remembered that this was a thing or saw ads for it or you know if it was more easily accessible it would uh be more popular and more discussed because it's the show is absolutely charming so there's no issue with the show uh, i don't think at this point um like like even i was talking to my sister and i was like oh yeah i'm I'm watching tick and she's like oh wait that's on amazon right i was like she's never seen it (laughs) she's she's not a you know she is not has not read the comic books i don't think she's seen either of the other two versions of the show but she has a positive association with it and with amazon because they have it um and she again she's not even their target demo so um granted it's very anecdotal experiential evidence but still i feel like this is could be the kind of show that people go to amazon to seek out especially with they they're seeming desire for more family friendly and children friendly programming this could be part of that as well um so i i would like to think that that means that amazon's gonna renew it but who knows yeah and there's no telling like as if any if this this week in particular has demonstrated anything it's that streamers are weird and mm-hmm. just don't know what they're going to do. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Well, and weird and we don't know what they're going to do. It does fit, feel like the perfect way to wrap up our conversation about the tick. Yeah. Um, do you have any other favorite uh, moments or elements of this season? Our last last thoughts besides people should watch the tick? Um, I do want to like the last thing I want to note is that they got Liz Vassie to voice uh, Lobster Hercules or Lobster Hercules, Lobster Hercules, um, Lobster Hercules, and Liz Vassie played uh, Captain Liberty on the live action Fox Tick um, back in the early aughts, and so again the show de- shows. I really appreciate how the show continues to draw on 
the mythos of the other two previous incarnations of the show to pay homage to itself. And I really like that aspect of it. Um, the only other show that does this better is DuckTales. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I, so. I I will look forward to if they manage it. Chairface Chippendale. Uh, I situation. thought that's where they were going this season with the human furniture stuff. Uh-huh. I was like, I was just like, we're gonna get we're gonna get Chairface Chippendale this season. Oh my god! And then it didn't happen. <laughs> Maybe that's why we need a season three Amazon because we need yeah. a Chairface Chippendale somehow. So make it happen. Figure out how to make that work. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, definitely would eagerly anticipate and watch. Uh, but yeah, it's just people, if you are listening at this point and you have Amazon, check out The Tick. You will not be disappointed. It is charming and fun in just the right length. Like the episodes know when to get out of there, when to be 20 episodes, when to be 20 minutes, when to be 30 minutes. And it's just uh, it, it's a bit of lighter fun that i'm glad the show has now worked its way solidly into being um uh-huh. and away from the everything must be gritty thing that that all the felt like so many of the comic book shows were doing just even a few years ago so um yeah really enjoyed season two of the tick and looking forward to hopefully increasing the ratio of amazon success uh stories versus disappointments um here at the televerse and on that note um a few show notes you can find a post for this episode over at the televerse.org where you can leave us a comment and let us know what you thought of the week's tv you can uh like our page and start up a conversation there over on facebook you can find us on iTunes with an M4A chapter feed and an MP3 unchaptered feed. We'd appreciate ratings and reviews. Also, you can find us on Stitcher, uh, at least the uh, M4A feed on Stitcher. You can also email us at televerse at gmail.com. And we are both on Twitter. I am at the Televerse. And Noel, you are? At Noel RK. Thank you so much, Kate. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, Noel. And we'll be back next week with another episode of the Televerse. Thank you.